Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Chapter 12, verses 25 and 26. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Now remember, I believe the Apostle Paul wrote... Hebrews. And when he wrote this, it wasn't going to be much longer before the Romans were going to be sweeping, you know, swinging through there and destroying the city and completely putting to flight everybody that lived there. And in fact, changing the name is an act of spite, changing the name of Judea to Palestina, Palestine, which is naming it after the Philistines which are, were as gross and crude people as you'd ever want to meet in your life. All right. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them from earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Well, when he talks about shaking heaven, he's not talking about the heaven of heavens where he lives. All right. We live in the midst of a cosmic conflict. In 2019, the Lord warned us. That things were accelerating. And further, you recall, in September of 2019, he said things that, that I saw that acceleration when I was standing right about here. I looked back there and I saw the acceleration. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say things, the world around you, the world around you is about to change so rapidly that it'll seem like it happened overnight. Six months later, we were in a Chinese Communist Party style lockdown. We were forbidden to go to church. We were forbidden to go to restaurants. We were forbidden. And while our government just, you know, went around putting entire businesses out of business and all of that. And as I said, you may also recall that I said the first of this year. Uh, 2023, that there would be momentous events and great changes taking place even before the end of this year. And that's obviously not over. I mean, those things have been happening, but they are picking up speed. I want to read Ephesians 6.12 out of the English Standard Version. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your mother-in-law, your boss, your neighbor, you know, the person sitting next to you in church today is not your problem. Amen. I'm not your problem. Amen. The, but we, rest, we do wrestle, but we don't wrestle against people. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. I love the way the ESV does that. Yeah, the world's cosmocraton means world, and more literally translated world forces or world powers. But cosmic carries, conveys properly the depth or should I say the breadth of this conflict. The cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil. Yes, evil does exist. Even though, he, though the author of the shack, I think his name was William Young, would tell us that evil does not exist. Sorry, Bill. Evil does exist. 
And it says so right here. The spiritual forces of evil, where? In the, what places? Heavenly places, not where God lives. Not in the third heaven, the heaven of heavens, but the atmospheric heavens around us. All right? And now, everybody put on your theological thinking camp, because you're going to hear me say some things you've probably not heard me say before. And that's this. Uh, one of the, you know, it tells us right here that the conflict, the combat in which we are is not natural. And by natural, I don't mean unnatural. I mean supernatural. All right. Uh, everything we see around us is the result of the spiritual world that we can't see operating at its base. Amen. All right. Another word. I'm going to put this up on the, you know, tell who's back there. Neil. Levi. 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 He's waving at me. We're, I'm going to, I'm going to go to board. Here's a word that has a lot of negative baggage attached to it. And I understand that, but it's still a good word. And that is we live, we are doing the mystical. Our battle is mystical. Let me put another word up here. The word mystery. Mystical means not natural in its, not physical in its basis, but spiritual at its core. All right? Angels are mystical beings. You know, we think of mystical, when, we, when you use the word mystical, you think of the Twilight Zone. You know, people that are weird, you know, and weirded out and all that kind of stuff. And so that word's gotten kind of a bad rap, a bad nuance, but it's a good word because it applies. We are, we live in a mystical world and to those who cannot see past the physical, it is a mystery to them. How many of you follow me? They don't see that. Now, and you say, well, does the Bible say that? Many places. I'll just give you two examples. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 11. Jesus answered, answered them. Who answered? Jesus. Saying, to you it has been granted to know the what? Mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. How were they being, how are they receiving, how are they uh, getting, how are they beginning to perceive the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven through his word to them. The reason that the others were not receiving was because they were not receiving the word. They were rejecting the word. Remember, we just quoted Hebrew, I mean, uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, where it says, holding to something that looks spiritual, but it's not, it's soulish. They have rejected, not just denied, that word means rejected its power. They have rejected God. They have rejected His re revelation. And they have tapped into something that while it's mystical, and it, and it is a mystery. I mean, have you ever heard of the mystery of lawlessness? While they've tapped into it, they've tapped, they're, they've come down on the wrong side of it. 
All right. Second, so Matthew 13, 11, Jesus says to them, it is you, it has been granted to know the mysteries. And in, uh, and I apparently did, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, and apparently I didn't manage to get this on the, uh, uh, on the thing. Susan, if you could bring that up, I, I apologize. But I want everybody to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1 says... Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the what? Stewards. In other words, we are handling. We have been to us the mysteries of God, the understanding of God, the revelation of God, the, the teaching of how things really work, of the real truth and what's happening behind the curtain you know, has been entrusted to us. They taught us. If you want to see the mystery, if you want to understand the mystery, you have to go to the scripture. It's as soon as that. Not a YouTube prophet. <laughs> to the scripture. All right? The text is everything. If you want to know what's going on behind the veil, every time I say that, I think of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Well... Yeah, all right. And what the scripture reveals to us is the essential. And when I say essential, I, by essential, I don't mean necessary. I mean that the, it is the very essence of what we see happening around us. The very nature, the very character of what we see happening around us is spiritual. And it was a conflict that started even before Eden. But is now manifesting at a theater near you. Alright? Between countries, between racial groups, between special interest groups, even, and we're, we're seeing it happen. I mean, uh, Jesus, it, 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 again, we'll, we'll come down, uh, Luke chapter uh, 12 and verse 53. Jesus said, they will be divided against uh, uh, father against son, and son against daughter, and mother against, I mean, it goes on to say, Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Even a, a man's enemies will be the members of his household. You know, uh, Matthew 10 and 21. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. And children will raise up against, rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Saints, those words were, are literal. He's not speaking of some metaphor, some, you know, some low level conflict. He says toward the end, it is going to get hairy. It, that's what Paul said. It's going to get savage. It's going to get dangerous. If you think it's dangerous now, wait, it's going to get a lot more dangerous. A lot of things we see happening overseas are coming across the border. All right. Ephesians 6, 12, we'll read it again. He says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against, what does he say here? The rulers, 
against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. How many of you would look and say, you know, I think even people who aren't terribly spiritual would even be able to look at recent events and, I, and watch what's happened in the last few years in our own nation and say, this isn't good, this is heavy. There's a heaviness here. Well, that's another description for darkness. Put on the garment of praise for a spirit of what? Heaviness. All right. Cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, we'll, we'll talk about that. All right. Now, the scriptures made it clear that the last days are going to be evil days. And I'm not going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3 again for the upteenth time. I just did it earlier. But even a cursory reading will, you know, will tell even the most casual observer that those days are here. And evil men and spin doctors, as it says in verse 13, uh, are proceeding from bad to worse. And Luke 21, what does Jesus say? Go hide. Go hide. Get, get your, you know, so many people are talking about a bug out house and building a house out in country away from the cities. And there's a reason for that. And, all, and get away. The problem is that if you're going to be light and salt, you need to be where the salt is needed. God, Jesus taught out in the, in the rural places only because the, the cities would not accommodate the crowds that were coming to him. But on the Shabbats, on the, on the Sabbath days, he would go into the synagogues and minister. And he went to Capernaum. And he went to Jerusalem. And he went to, you know, to Nazareth. And he went all to, to all of these cities. God needs people in cities no matter how hairy it gets in the city. You know what I mean by hairy? Dangerous. Crazy. Nutso. All right. Jesus said in Luke 21, he said, when you see these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Hallelujah. You know, we are called. We are qualified. That's what God's been doing these last 10, 15 years. We are planted. I assure you. Those who have, you know, I went, go back 21 years. I weep for my people that are about to be left behind when he spoke that to me. Those who have allowed God to finish what he started in us are going to bless the Lord of heaven that he kept our feet glued to the floor. But, we, you know, because we were planted, we have a mission. And that mission takes us right into the middle of the mess. You are God's paratroopers. Yeah, he, what do you do? You don't, you, where do paratroopers go? You don't need parat to jump in if you're on the right side of enemy lines. You can take a truck. But if you're going in behind enemy lines, if you're going in, that's, that's when you need an airplane. All right? And a parachute. We have got to think theologically, not naturally, which is soulishly, not culturally, not politically. We have to look at things through the lens of the scripture because the scripture is truth and the scripture alone should govern our thoughts and by extension, our behavior. I'm going to talk about three things this morning. So much for my introduction. I'm going to talk about three things that we see burgeoning before us that are indicative of um, 
of, of chaos and disobedience. Okay? First, I want to talk about Islam. Yeah, I'll just say it. Islam. In John chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Jesus said, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you thinks he is offering service to God. I know a lot of people look at that. And yes, there, has, there is an application to um, the Sanhedrin and to uh, the, those who are persecuting Paul. But there is a much wider application in the last days. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. When we start killing people in the name of God, it is clear that we do not know God. Alright, it's as simple as that. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Yes, again. He was, did it have an application in the persecution that the church would receive both there in Judea and then by extension in the Roman Empire through the ten great persecutions? The answer is yes. And it had a partial fulfillment in, in Saul of Tarsus and in the Roman Empire. But the fact that verses 2 and 3 and 4 are all separate uh, sentences is indicative. When it says, their hour comes... The fulfillment goes well beyond the first century. And the barbaric massacre that we have just seen in the name of God cannot be true service to the true God for no other reason than verse 3. Our God is not a God of murder. We are nowhere told in the New Testament or even in the Old that we are to slaughter Innocent, you know, somebody said, well, yeah, but when they did an ethnic cleansing, when they moved into the, into the Holy Land under Moses. Yes, because of the Nephilim and the uh, genetic problems that were there at the time. They needed to stamp that out. All right. We don't have that today. All right. So, you know, as we now I want you to understand that, you know, what we saw was not war. It was mass murder. And as Time moves forward. I'm thinking about coming back and doing a part two to this next week about talking about specific things you can expect. Uh, there are, you know, we need to be aware of the fact that that same spirit that we saw there wishes to manifest here and is working to manifest here. I'm not trying to put anybody in fear. I'm just trying to say we need to be we need to, one of the things we used to say in both in the army and in skydiving and as, as a pilot, keep your head on a swivel. Be aware of your surroundings. Be, have, have situational awareness. And remember, because Paul said that in the last days, savage, fierce, dangerous, hard to take times would come. Um, number two. We are seeing a rapid repaganization of the West, to include the United States of America. Our once Christian nation is running away from God as fast as it can. Now, that doesn't mean we're doing it individually, necessarily, but as a culture, we are. Back in the 70s, we started sacrificing unborn children. And believe me, that was a breakover point with God. That was an inflection point. And now 
we are, become, we are becoming lawless by calling evil good and good evil and thumbing our nose, so to speak, at God, that even though he made me a certain way, I don't want to be this. I want to be something else. And, you know, we were with our multiple gender bathrooms and, you know, or single, whatever. That's lawlessness. You know, uh, Michael P. Williams, who preached for us, many, 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 many years ago, talked about the difference between sin and abomination. Has anybody here ever shot a bow and arrow? Yeah. You know, you take your bow and you go down like this and you look and everything and you try to hold your breath and do all that stuff like that. And you, you know, you let fly without trying to, you know, do this with it. And to sin, hamartano, means to miss the mark. In other words, I'm shooting at the target, but I didn't, I, I didn't hit the bullseye. I, I was wide or high or low or something like that. That's sin, falling short. God helps your falling shorts. Amen. All right. But abomination means I'm not even shooting at the target. I'm shooting over here somewhere. You know, and are we ever seeing that? Lawlessness, true lawlessness, rejects not only the, the gospel, but rejects the very foundation of the creation itself. And this is not, hear me, how many of you have noticed that it's just like it's just exploded? It's because it's not a natural phenomenon. It's not a cultural phenomenon. It is a spiritual one. It is part of what the Bible calls the mystery of lawlessness. And if you stand up to resist it, you will be censored, you will be canceled, you will be demonetized. Amen. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 3, 4a and then skipping to 7, Paul says, "Let no one deceive you, for it, meaning the end, will not come until the apostasy comes first. What does apostasy mean? Apostasy is a, a, is a, is a Greek word with a, with a prefix on it that means to stand apart from. In other words, I used to believe this way, but now I have stood apart from that faith. We see that in the United Methodist Church, the church out of which I came. You know, that there is an embracing of things that are clearly unscriptural. And why is that dangerous? I'm not saying these people are of the devil or anything of that nature. What I'm saying is that by enabling that, they are seeing to it that they are saying it's okay when God says, you're going to destroy yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. This is a wide open door for the enemy to come in and destroy you. And indeed, the hour is coming. Sorry, got the wrong one. It says apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God and object of worship. Skipping down to verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And I think the restraining influence has gone. That's why we see it. Some people say, well, what was it? Can't be the Holy Spirit. I've heard that. Well, the Holy Spirit is a restraining and that's theologically impossible. 
Some think it's Michael the archangel. I wouldn't doubt that there is some truth to that. All right. And so it's a great apostasy. It is a falling away. We've got people. We've got Christian artists. You know, they had all of these big Christian hits. And then you see them, see them on podcasts saying they know are no longer Christians because they've gone back to deconstruct their faith. That's apostasy. Let me, let me, let me use a little different word for, from deconstruct. They aren't deconstructing. They are defecting. They are defecting to evil. And the church, many parts of the Western church, has not only embraced, but are now celebrating lifestyles that the Bible calls utterly sinful. My point here is that lawlessness is increasing just as Jesus said it would. To the fact, to the point, that humanity is beginning to walk in that spirit of delusion. Which is 2 Thessalonians 2. So first, we have the fact that uh, that we have uh, um, the, well, second is, is the West, okay? Islam, radical Islam, the West. And then lastly, a sign, physical Israel itself. I am not a replacement theologian, a supersessionist that believes that the church has replaced Israel in the eyes of God. We have not. The church did not. You know, there are people, there are lots of Christians, splendid Christians, Christians whose theology is pretty solid, but with whom I definitely disagree on this. The church did not dis, uh, replace Israel. Paul in Romans 11 verses 28 and 29 says this. From the standpoint of the gospel, they, meaning Israel, are the enemies for our enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Look what he says next. For the gifts and the callings of God are what? Irrevocable. Now, I know I've heard lots of people talk about how when God's called you to something, that that gift, that calling is irrevocable and all that kind of stuff. And they'll quote this scripture. And I'm not saying they're wrong about that, but I am saying that that's an off-label prescription because this verse is about Israel. And he says, the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. So in other words, God has called the seed, the literal seed of Abraham, and that calling is irrevocable. The gift that he has promised them for the future through Abraham, through Moses, through David, is absolutely sure and will come to pass. That said, for just, he goes on to say, for just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience, they will come. All Israel will be saved. All Israel of that time anyway. All right. And their disobedience opened the door for us to come in. All right. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1, follow, begin reading with verse 1. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us 
to the effect that the day of the Lord has come, that Jesus has returned. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, as we read a minute ago, unless the apostasy comes first. Are we seeing the apostasy? Certainly. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, which has not yet happened. And the son of destruction, who, listen to verse 4. Okay, now we're peering into a mystery. Are you with me? We're peering into a mystery here. Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. When Paul wrote that, approximately 20 years later, the temple was destroyed. How does the Antichrist, which is the man of lawlessness here, how does he take a seat in the temple if there is no temple in which to sit? So this tells me that there will be a third temple. There will be something built. Otherwise, could we take this metaphorically? I suppose, but I don't know how you would do that. Do you not remember that when I was still with you? I was telling you these things. So we see that, that this man will come in and desecrate. No, let's read that verse 4 again. Put that uh, up there. For, let's see. Who opposes... And exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. So that he takes his seat in not just any temple. But the temple of God. The temple of Yahweh. There will be a third temple. Now, what you don't see in the mainstream media. Is that in the week leading up to the October 7th massacre. There was an event on the Temple Mount that caused great fury among the Muslim world. And that is, first of all, I need to back up and say that the religious right, the conservative Jews, and I am not making judgments here, I'm just telling you the way things are. The conservative Jews, as opposed to the Ashkenazi, have risen to a place where, whereas the more liberal Ashkenazi Jews, both from America and in Israel, have been in power in Israel for a great uh, length of time, that has changed to where now the Orthodox and the zealous Jews have a very strong voice in the government and in the Knesset, which simply means assembly. Okay. And they have declared, even to having a meeting in the, that has been reported in the caves below the Dome of the Rock, the um, Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is on the temple site. They said, this is where our temple will be built. Well, you can't build it unless you tear down what's already there. So that means that the Al-Aqsa Mosque has to come down in their view. And 
a bunch, you know, I hear, I've read different numbers that in the week prior, during the week prior to the the, uh, massacre, that hundreds of radical Israeli, they call them radical Israelis, radical just means to the the very root of it, stormed the Al-Aqsa Mosque and went into it, which no Muslim would ever approve of a Jew entering the mosque. Any more than a Jew would would approve of a Muslim entering the temple of God. How many of you follow me? Remember when they, you know, in Acts chapter 21, when they were screaming that Paul had brought Trophimus the Ephesian into the temple and he had desecrated it. Well, the Jews in the eyes of the Muslims desecrated the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And that is why you see the term Al-Aqsa Flood as the Palestinians call their current uprising. Here is my point. Then they abused a bunch of, they were assaulting Muslim pilgrims. Now, the Israeli police ordinarily would have jumped in immediately and stopped that, except that now they're being overseen by people from the right, not the left. And so they let it happen. And what I'm saying to you is that this has become a religious war, not a fully religious war on both sides. And you can see the day coming when all the world will be against Israel. I mean all the world. Now let me ask you a question. Why do they need a third temple? Why do they need a red heifer? And they've brought them in. They have been training. And we've known this for years. They've been training Kohanim, priests, on how to sacrifice the animals. And to reinstitute Levitical worship. And that's what they want to do. They want to build that temple. They want to reinstitute Levitical worship. Thinking that that will glorify and please Yahweh. But as we look at it, thinking theologically here, we realize that that temple is going to be a living testament to the rejection of Messiah. Have you thought of it in those terms? It is a living testament. Testament, because if you embrace Messiah, you realize that there is no need for a temple. There is no need for sacrifice. Because he went in, went through the veil, created a new and living way for us. Amen. And so that will be a temple to unbelief. Bet you didn't think you were going to hear that this morning. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm pro-Israelite. I am pro-Israeli as far as I can be. All right? But at the same time, if they misbehave, we got to say so. Are you with me? And we got to call. I know there are people that so love Israel that they want to come up with a two-track salvation where you can believe in Jesus and you can go to heaven. And if you're a really good Jew, that somehow God's going to let you in. But Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And he was talking to Jews when he said it. 
I love the Jewish people. I do. They are my separated brethren in a, in, in, in a, in a sense. And I am pro-Israel. And I, I'm all for them. But I, I've got to say what the Bible says. And that third temple... If we're right about this, if I understand this correctly, and it goes down the way it looks like it's going to, is a monument to unbelief, to the rejection of Jesus. How can that possibly end well? Let me close. How many of you remember when Marianne used to say that? Let me close. What did it mean? Nothing. Many things that Marianne said, we're watching happen today. And it's like, a, what is wrong with that crazy old woman? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42, Jesus says, Be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Keep your head on a swivel. We need to be aware of what is going on in the world and what is going on around us. You need to be, I mean, you need to be vigilant. I was watching a video the other day from a guy's garage cam where he was driving a nice car. This is out in L.A. where everything is wonderful. And he was, he was driving home. I don't know if he, where he was coming from the bank or the store or what. But he was driving a nice car. And these people followed him and came. And he put up the, his garage door and he went inside. And these three guys get out of this car, you know, and come in and steal. You know, beat him up and st stole his car right out of his own garage. I'm not talking about being paranoid. Do, do trust the Lord. Listen to the Lord. But... You know, there were, uh, Jason and I laugh about it, that, you know, once you've been a cop, you will never be comfortable sitting with your back to the door. You know, it's, it's just something, uh, you know, or if you're a martial artist, a martial artist is, is always aware of his or her surroundings. We're not looking for a fight, but we certainly want to identify a threat if it's coming, we are not living in the world in which we grew up. We are not living in the country in which we grew up. Major changes have already occurred and major changes, even bigger changes are coming. When he says, you know, I made this statement a little hog. It's Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not think. That I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now there are some people who look at that and say, well, you see that? Militant Christianity is supposed to be out there swinging a sword. Put it in context. You know, we got to put it in context. Let's pick up the very next verse. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. What does he mean by that? He continues. He who loves father or mother more than me 
is not worthy of me. That doesn't mean that person will not be saved. And it does not mean that Jesus doesn't love that person. But he's saying they are walking in an unworthy manner. What did Paul tell us over in Ephesians? Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. To love anyone or anything more than we love the Lord is unworthy. All right? It's walking in an unworthy manner. He who loves father or mother more than me. We're back 37 again. He who loves father or mother. You get anything out of this? All right. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He, look at this, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. That statement, that simile, that metaphor that he uses there of taking up our cross and following him is done, used four times in the three synoptic gospels. Four times. How many of you know if something occurs that many times, it's going to be on the test? All right. He's saying, and saints, we are, well, I'll get to that in a minute. He who does not my brain is so far ahead of my mouth. Yeah, we, we noticed. <laughs> and he who does not take his cross, verse 38 again, and follow after me is not worthy of me. There's a lot of people that'll say, oh, it's cool. You believe in Jesus. That's cool. But when you start following him, that's a game changer. He who has, and here's the warning, he who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. That sword is the dividing. Remember it says his word is a sharp two-edged sword dividing asunder between soul and spirit, flesh and soul, you know, etc. That sword is a dividing thing. It's not a killing instrument. It is a dividing instrument where Ever since Jesus came, that's the watershed of history. It's the inflection point of history, if you want to call it that. Where, from that point forward, the struggle, the war, the conflict has become clearly defined. It is all that is evil against God and His Son. It is the enemy and His, his evil crowd following Him. Walking after the prince of the power of the air. That spirit, Ephesians 2, 2, that is now working in the sun, now working in the sons of disobedience. Against the Lord God, Yahweh, and Jesus of Nazareth, his, his Mashiach, his, his Christ. Notice what it says there. Because it says, I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. You know what he's telling us? If you're going to follow me, you're going to have some hard choices to make. This isn't going to be easy. Exactly. Count the cost. I believe that's Luke 10. Count the cost. The day of going along to get along is over. We can't do that anymore. Yes, we are to be peacemakers. But some, so many times they'll say, blessed are the peacemakers. But then it goes on to say, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Well, if we're sons of God, then we are walking after the Son of God, our elder brother, who came to bring a sword, to be a divider. To divide what? We're not here to divide people. That's not the point. We are to divide light from darkness. We're to divide good from evil. We're to divide righteousness from lawlessness. We're to stand for that. Amen. And stand firmly for the truth and not back down. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. The Father, you're aware of the fact that the revelation is God's gift, the Father's gift to Jesus, to give to us. He says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show, to reveal to his bondservants. The entire revelation, which, by the way, is not in chronological order, and it's more than one vision, and they overlap. So if you try to do it in Western fashion and just read through from front to back and say, okay, this is the order in which they happen. No, because it'll go forward and then we'll have a, a flashback, just like a movie. And see, you know, stuff like that. If you want to know a book, reading a book that will help you to understand Revelation. I'm not talking about Hal Lindsey. Read the book of Ezekiel. Because there is a tremendous affinity between the two. When we went through Ezekiel on our Sunday evening classes, we, were making, we made reference to that multiple times. But here, 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 I want you to see what I'm saying here. The Revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Messiah, which God gave him to show to his bondservants. Now here's where, uh, here in this next clause, many people misunderstand. It says, the things which must soon take place. That does not mean, when we read it, it sounds like, well, John the Apostle missed it there, because here we are 2,000 years later, and they ain't happened yet. That's not what that means. What it says which must soon take place, it means once they start, it will be rapid. It will be quick. Things which will happen quickly. And he, he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant, John. By that I mean, why am I saying that? Because we, now remember, go back to 2019, six months before the lockdown. I saw, I'm standing right here. I look, the musicians are all over here doing marvelously, Amen. magically, Amen. awesomely, anointedly, etc. Even when they're bad, they're good. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, well, no, sometimes when they're bad, we're just bad. But anyway, <laughs> when... And we're, we're, it was a Sunday morning. We were going through, doing what we call run-through. And that's where we go through our, our list. And, and you know, we, we try not to get up here and go, what were we going to do with this in the middle of the service? And because the Bible talks about for the skillful musician. Right? And we've got some skillful musicians up here. I do not, conserve, I do not classify myself in that. But 
We do. And so we're doing run-through. And at some point, and I don't even remember where in run-through it was, I look up toward the back of the auditorium for no reason in particular, looking at nothing in particular, and suddenly everything around me was like I was underwater. In a, and I'm a scuba diver, so I have been in Caribbean water where the clarity, the visibility, as scuba divers call it, is wonderful. I mean, I floated on the top and looked down at the wreck of the HMS Rhone and looked down waiting on the dive master to tell me and my dive buddy that we could go down the, the cable from the, the buoy to, that's actually, a, uh, that's actually a national park, that area on the bottom of the ocean. 99 point something feet below us and I looked down and I could see that wreck 100 feet away. That's not Blue Springs Lake, I assure you. <laughs> or Smithville. All right. And it, I saw that we, the shimmering water and then suddenly, just like for those of you who ever watched Star Trek, it was like going to warp. It's like everything began to move and then and there was a bright something in the distance. And that's where we were going. Acceleration. We are living in a day that from, um, from then till now, and more so, time is being compressed. Amen. Time is being compressed, all right? Um, and things like, you know, I, I made the statement the other day, you know, I've heard, I've heard people prophesying or people would say, and God is going to do a quick work in you. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't. God will do as quickly as you will allow him to do. But for most of us, that's slow going. And you've heard me say this. Faith does not grow as fast as hair. Okay. And so, you know, it takes time. And that's why the Lord was warning us 21 years ago. I'll wait for my people who are about to be left behind. Because for the next two decades, he was going to be training us. You know, we think, man, that's a long time. In the mind of God, it's a day. And, that's not even a day. It's 10 minutes. And you might say, God, it just seems so long. Tell me about it. I know. And what, but so when I say it's a compression of time and acceleration, I don't mean in us. I mean in events and the things, sowing and reaping that, you know, I have sown seed in the past, sometimes years and years and years ago, for which I do not think I have necessarily seen the, the, the crop yet. Many of you can say the same thing, but I assure you that harvest is coming. And further, you will see that the things you are doing by faith now, which is why God put it in our, decided to train us, those things, that lag time between seed time and harvest is being compressed. Those things are speeding up. And I was making reference, you know, in, in giving and receiving to a good thing. But that's also true of bad things. That from the time of sinfulness and errors and egregious things until the uh, sowing the wind, that reaping the whirlwind is going to come much more quickly because we are living in a more austere environment. It is more important than ever that we be doers of the word. If our musicians would come and that we would follow him closely.
The mystery is unfolding around us with increasing velocity each and every day. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus and as I said, make him and his work the number one priority. I'm going to come back again next week and I'm going to talk about specific things that we can expect, things in our government, things uh, in the church, things in the world that you can look for which you can look to happen. I mean, even as I was standing up here doing run through, once again, God started talking to me and I, you know, it's good to have Chris back so that she could uh, carry it when I drop out to write some things. I didn't want to wait to write it down until afterwards. I wanted to, I wanted to get it on paper so that as I, you know, confront it, but things are changing. They're changing rapidly. Our world is changing. It's changing rapidly. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Back to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. I want to finish with this because it, it, it is a great, uh, it, I think it has the spirit of what God would say to us today. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not Take his cross. Luke, I think it is, says daily. I think Jesus said this more than once. I think Jesus used this illustration a lot when he was out preaching. And follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. For those of you watching by internet and those of you here, I feel the Lord want, encouraging me to tell you that the sacrifices and the decisions that you have made for God, the things that you have foregone or the things that you have given up for Jesus, the things that you walked away from it you're being poor in spirit. You dropped it. You just walked away from it. Even though you didn't want to. Maybe it was one of those hard decisions that we talked about. Whether it's loving father or mother or brother or sister or mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. And more than me. And there are going to be more of those to come. And we need to brace ourselves for that. We need to. We need to just know that in the environment and into this, uh, this time in which we are moving that the decision, there are going to be, there's going to be great glory. Don't get me wrong, because I'm telling you, our God will not be outdone. In fact, I was thinking about naming next week. Here he comes. Because I am very, very optimistic. I'm pumped. Because I'm, we have, not just us, me, we have been laboring for decades. For the day into which we're entering now. Yahoo! Somebody say, well, it's about time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it is a great time to be alive. It is an awesome time to walk with Jesus. Those of you walking are watching by web. If you do not know Jesus, of Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth as your Lord and your Savior, you must be born again. I'm here to tell you, the unbelief, dangerous, radical, violent unbelief 
is surfacing because the conflict between good and evil, light and dark, uh, righteousness and lawlessness is intensifying. And you're going to see it. Places where there didn't, you, there, there formerly was no conflict, you're going to see conflict. And in ways that no one 20 years ago would ever have imagined possible. Just think 50 years ago, how many people would believe that the United States of America would have as many mass shootings as we have, we, we, we have had in the last few years. And there is no difference between that spirit and what happened over in Israel. None. It's a different, different reason, same spirit. We're seeing it. And I want to encourage you to make Jesus Christ of Nazareth your Lord. Repent from your heart and say, Lord, I'm not getting this right. Help me here. I believe with my heart, confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is your son. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Not say just Savior, Lord. I turn from my old manner of living. Now that doesn't mean, you might say, well, I can't. You're right, you can't. But by His grace, He catches the fish. Then He cleans them. I'm living testament to that. Amen. Christian, do not, those of you who are watching who are believers, time is being compressed. It is getting more intense by the day. And we're going to see things. I mean, it's almost going to be neck snapping how fast. We're in a bit of a lull right now, but trust me, that will not last. And we live in momentous times. And we are privileged to walk with our God and be His agents in this day and age. But you got to love Him more than you love anything else, more than you love anybody else. And you're if you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. Amen and amen. Well, we hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.